There we go. Can you hear me? It's good. It's good that you can hear me. No. I'm just going to respond in faith that you all heard me. How are we doing this morning? Good. Hope you didn't struggle too much with car park. Fine. Double park, yes. Lock them in. No, no, that's not the that's not the attitude. Father, forgive them, Mister. That's the way. Hey, we're in part four of our missions month uh, this morning, and uh, you know I hope that you found it valuable. Uh, so it's the third, I think it's the third year that we've done missions month, and uh, my my aim has been uh, to every second year uh, send a team out onto the missions field, and so. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was happy to have gone on your behalf last year and checked out what was going on, so thank you. Um, but yeah, really keen to send the team out next, uh, next year to, to, uh, onto the missions field, either to the Pacific uh, or into Southeast Asia with some of the partners that we have um, to do that with. And if you, if you do feel a real strong call just to head out into missions and into the missions field, um, do let us know because there are organizations that we partner with as a church. Um, who are heading into Cambodia um, four or five times a year, I think, with the team, and they've, they've always had the door open for us to go over there. Uh, we've, had a, we've got an Elam church in Samoa who are constantly asking us to go over there uh, when the pastors come over for conference, and so, you know, I was like, man, Samoa, yeah, we'll come, uh, but we, we just kind of need to go now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you're keen uh, to kind of head out on the missions field as much as we've been uh, wanting to let everyone know that missions is something that we all do, um, we want to also give you the opportunity to respond to going global uh, or going overseas if that's what God is calling you to. And so I do hope that you've found uh, Missions Month valuable um, this year and uh, not only because, you know, we're called to do it, um, but because missions is such an important part of the life of church. Uh, and, and the, the you know, Christian life is, um, I believe, all about mission. It's about Jesus' mission. It's about God's mission to reconcile his creation back to him. And it's about the church's mission, which is God's vessel and vehicle to fulfill that. Uh, it's about uh, the world going out and um, reaching uh, the lost for Jesus. And so I hope that throughout this month you've uh, seen also that mission's not one-dimensional. It's, it's not something that's just for those who are called to go globally or something that for just those who are called abroad, but uh, that mission is something uh, that we're all called to do through the great commission of Jesus. And I asked the question in part one of the series, uh, who here is a missionary? And I won't show, you know... We had a few show of hands. But over the last three weeks, we've kind of been sharing and showing you through the life of biblical characters uh, why we should answer me to that question and why we should all raise our hands to that question. And so hopefully you've caught a little bit of that over this month. And so this morning, I want to give you some practical applications from uh, another, another missionary in Scripture to apply to your Christian walk as we learn uh, lessons from a man by the name of Philip. Not Philip Jobbins. Uh, we don't have these Philip's surnames, I don't think. 
um, but a man named Philip. So let's pray as we get into that this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are here. And Father, we, we desire that your purpose be fulfilled in this place. And Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is mighty to save, is mighty to work in us and through us. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to every single person uh, this morning, where they're at. Father, I pray that you would, um, Lord, use me just to uh, guide, Father, this morning and just to, uh, Lord, just to illuminate uh, your word a little bit. But, Father, I pray, Lord, that your will be done, Lord, that you would be exalted. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there are four Philips that uh, we read about in the Bible. And uh, two of the Philips are the sons of uh, King Herod the Great. So they're his sons to different wives. And uh, we hear only a, a little bit about them. And then the other two Philips that we hear of in Scripture are servants of Jesus. And we're both instrumental in building the early church. The first of those two Philips is Philip the Apostle. And so Philip the Apostle uh, walked with Jesus. Uh, he was the one who, uh, you know, when they were feeding the 5,000, he's the one who kind of counted what it was all going to cost. It's kind of like, oh, there's 5,000 people. We've got five, you know, loaves of um, bread and, and fish. And, and how's that going to work, Jesus? Um, and so Jesus was, and so Philip was that guy who was uh, kind of calculating all of that for, for, for Jesus. And he's also the one who at the Last Supper sat there and said to Jesus, um, Jesus, show us the Father. We want to see the Father. And uh, it was um, at that point that Jesus said, if you see me, then you see the Father. For, the, uh, for I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And uh, that, that, so that was the first Philip uh, that was a servant of Jesus. The second Philip that was a servant of Jesus is Philip the Evangelist, uh, also known as Philip the Deacon. And it's this Philip that, uh, Philip the Evangelist, that we're going to be learning from this morning. And so the Bible tells us that Philip the Evangelist was one of the seven deacons who was appointed to the early church in Jerusalem. And so he was one of these, these guys who was appointed by the apostles, and, and their role as deacons was to assist uh, in the charitable work of the church. So whatever the church was doing, the deacon's role was to assist uh, their leaders, to assist the apostles, in this case, uh, in that work. He had a real heart for evangelism, uh, hence being called Philip the Evangelist. And uh, he had a real heart to kind of uh, just reach new people with the gospel message. And when the great uh, kind of what they call the great persecution happened in Jerusalem, uh, that cost the lives of, of many Christians, uh, as we heard uh, you know, of one of them last Sunday with, um, with Stephen. Man, that was a raw story, eh? You know, we kind of think, we, we, we kind of think that we need to stir up faithful small things, and then you see stuff like that that went on with uh, the early Christians, and you kind of think, man, that, that requires a huge amount of faith and trust in God. And so when, when this was going on, uh, in Jerusalem, Philip left Jerusalem and, and um, decided that he was going to go and evangelize in Samaria and kind of reach the people there. And after the church was started in Samaria, the Holy Spirit uses Philip to bring the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch. 
And it's here that we're going to pick up the story of Philip uh, this morning. In Acts 8, verse uh, 26 to 28. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopian, of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. This is a pretty influential guy we think we're talking about here, I think. And had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And so the angel says to Philip, get up, go, get up and go. There's a word that we've heard a lot of this month. Go. And what we read in the next verse is that Philip does what? He gets up and he goes. Yeah, he gets up and went. And so our first lesson this morning from the life of Philip is to surrender yourself to go. Surrender yourself to go. You know, there's another great scripture, uh, there's another great person in scripture who displays uh, this very same characteristic in his life. We find his story in Genesis 22, verse 2 to 3. It says this, then God said, talking to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. The similarity that we see between Abraham and Philip uh, as we kind of compare their stories is this unquestioning obedience to God. Think about that. There's an unquestioning obedience to go when God said to go. An obedience that comes, I believe, only from having a heart that is completely in surrender to Him. Having a heart that's ready to go. Whenever he says. An obedient heart that says, Yes, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. An obedient heart that says, I'm ready now and waits for God to speak. I'm ready, Lord, what shall I do? Who shall I speak to? no matter what the cost. Could you imagine what Abraham, what Abraham's night must have been like? Think about this. Barren. It was the child God promised them. And God's asked him to sacrifice him. It's the child that they've waited for. 
late into their years, and God's asked him to sacrifice. Could you imagine what Abraham must have been thinking as he was sleeping at night? He probably didn't sleep. Could you imagine what he was feeling when God asked him to do that? And he knew what he was doing. He packed the wood for the sacrifice. You know, I heard one pastor telling the story, and he said, could you imagine if the, when, when they got, when they got to, to where the sacrifice was happening? They're getting the wood. Abraham says to his servants, you stay here. They're going up to the altar to sacrifice. If Isaac could talk, Do you think he might have been wondering where the lamb was? Why they had the wood for the fire, but no sacrificial lamb? I think that many of us could probably relate with Philip's story, where God asked him to go and speak to someone about him. You know, many of us could probably relate to being asked by God to do something and being asked by God to go somewhere and then struggling with that tension of, oh, God, is it you? Or is it just me? Or surely things need to line up before I go or things need to fit into place and to go and speak the gospel to them. You know, as Christians and followers of Jesus, we devote ourselves to God and to others. <clears throat> and in mission, we allow God to use us at times in the most uncomfortable of circumstances and situations to reach people. Or we should allow God to use us in those situations. Because our lives are dedicated not to what's happening here, but our lives are dedicated to an eternal promise, to eternal things, an eternal mindset that's committed not only to our eternity, but to the eternity of all the people God loves. That could take quite a shift in our thinking sometimes. Now, Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Our focus is on an eternity. Our focus is on God, His promise. Not just for us, but his promise for all the earth. You know, the word surrender means uh, to stop fighting. The word surrender means to give up. Uh, you know, we say surrender and everyone knows the white flag. Kind of get the white flag and start waving it around. And so uh, when God speaks the way he did to Abraham, when God speaks the way that he did to Philip, to you, my challenge to you this morning 
is to stop fighting it. Stop making excuses. Stop reasoning with yourself and justifying your decisions to not listen and to not obey. Because when you surrender to God and to God's will, and when you go into your week under the power of the Holy Spirit, when you surrender to Him and when you carry a confidence that if God says, yes, do it, then God means, amen, it'll be done. When we walk into our week with that sort of confidence, you become a mighty force in God's army. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a mighty force in the army of God. I want to be a strong soldier in God's army. It goes on in Acts 8, verse 29 and 30. It says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And so Philip, he's heard the Holy Spirit say, Go, he's gone. And as he's going, the Holy Spirit says to him, Go uh, near to that chariot, overtake it. And having surrendered to go to God, the second thing that we need to try and do is to tune in to know. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, that my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And the key here in this point this morning is to tune in to God's voice so that you know God's leading. Tune in to know. So we go and then we know. Sometimes we want to know before we go. Well, God says go, and we say no, the other no. But I found with faith, if God says go, then you go. And as you go, God reveals what you need to know. Now, this is the second time that the Holy Spirit's um, led Philip in this passage. And so we take from that, that that Philip's tuned in to the voice of God. He's going because he knows the voice of God. He's tuned into his prompting. He's tuned in to, his, uh, stir, to the stirring of the Holy Spirit. And, and so he's, he's confident that he knows what God's leading him to. You know, I have this... Uh, we're talking about tuning in. I have this gift of tuning out my girls uh, when they're being a little bit challenging, which is a nice way of saying when they're annoying. <laughs> and so I've got this gift of just being able to, you know, all this stuff's going on and I just find one thing to focus on. I'm there. I can't hear it. It's not good sometimes, is it? No, because they'll be crying. I, they, they could break their leg and I might not hear it. So I, I probably shouldn't be confessing. I should, should repent of this section. I probably shouldn't be confessing to this. But I have this gift of, of kind of tuning, tuning them out. And I know this because it absolutely drives Debbie crazy because she can't do it. And so, you know, she kind of has to do At times she's kind of like, can you hear your daughter? Or well, she's telling me to respond to my daughters when they've asked me a question. I'm just getting worse and worse. 
I said, I did say it, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, it drives Debbie mad, and so I know it really is, is a gift. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I know, that there time, I know that there have been times when, when I've done that with God. Rather than tuning into him, I've tuned him out. And it's so easy to do. You know, you kind of tune into other people's opinions, tune into other people's views of you. God says, do this. You tune into your feelings. I don't feel that, God. When did God say we had to feel what he was calling to? You tune into God, and God says, go here. And then you say, I'm too busy doing this. Fears, big one. Tune into our fears when God calls us to something great. Tune into our own thoughts and our own ideas. And so these days I find myself driving to work every morning, praying for God to lead me and show me what He wants. You know I, know, I know no other way to combat myself than to pray to God to lead me. You know, when, when, when I get scared, uh, when, when I start to make excuses, when I start to get uh, offensive, the only way I know to release that is to say, God, show me. God, lead me. And to tune into him. Even though I know sometimes I'm not going to like what he has to say. Don't we all love God when he says nice things about us? It's like, oh, you're awesome. You're blessed. You're favored. You're my child. You're a friend of God. And then when God says, actually, you need to deal with this issue, we don't always like it when it's that. Or when God says, you need to go to this person and reconcile relationship. So I pray every morning for God to show me what he wants, who he wants me to impact. I pray to God to send his presence to surround me, to send his peace, because I know that he's with me. I I pray to God that I'll be able to hear his voice because I know that he's never left me and that he hasn't gone away. And like Philip, I pray that God will show me what he wants me to do in different things in my life. And the great thing about being tuned into the Holy Spirit is that not only does he lead you in those areas of your life, but he's also the best at filling you up. You know, when we're tuned into God, he can prepare us for things that are about to come without us even knowing When we're tuned into God, he can encourage you. He can lead you. When we're tuned into God, he can protect us and empower us. And so we should always tune into him. 
for the benefit of others and for the benefit of ourselves. Because there's nothing like when the Holy Spirit pours his love on you. Uh, just caution. If you're praying to God in your car and all of a sudden you end up into a, a, a place of worship, don't do this. Uh, <laughs> don't you keep your eyes open. That's the big one. Keep your eyes open. And, and I speak from experience. Uh, it's not hard to close your eyes when you're... We should always be searching those moments when we're just saturated by His presence. I don't know about you, but if you haven't had one of those in a long time, just keep asking God to come. Keep asking God to be there. Get over yourself and how you look sometimes and just surrender and say, God. Because when he comes in power, you can feel it. He's real. When's the last time you felt the Holy Spirit real? And so we surrender ourselves to him and we tune in to him to know that it's him when he's with us. And the impact that you can have on others as you tune in to know the voice of God. And this can change someone's eternity. I mean, forget about changing someone's financial situation. Forget about changing someone's emotional situation. That all comes, I believe, as we look to change the one's eternity. I wrote that point down and I, and I thought to myself, I think we forget that sometimes. It's actually not about what we're doing now. It's about what God's already doing in heaven and preparing a way for his kingdom. Amen? Acts 28, verse 31 to 35. And he said, right, so this, this is the eunuch asking Philip, so Philip's asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He's reading, the, he's reading uh, Isaiah. Philip asks him, do you understand what you're doing? And he says to Philip, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And sit with him. It's a side note. It's quite relational in approach. To go and sit with someone rather than just talk at someone is a relational approach. The place in scripture which he read from was this, and in verses 32 and 33, uh, he's reading through the prophecy in Isaiah about the sheep who's led to the slaughter. He's talking about Jesus. 
And so that's what he's reading. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And so uh, we know that he's talking about Jesus, some other man. And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. So Philip asks the man, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, unless someone guides me? And Philip sits with him and starts preaching Jesus. And so our final point this morning in this series, as we head out to do mission to the world, or you missionaries, is to share and show his story. Romans 8 verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. And he, cho- and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He chose us to become like Jesus. He chose us to become Christ-like. Do you know, we're finishing the series this morning where we started it, with Jesus. You know, as we're transformed more and more into the image of Christ, part of our mission and part of our role, as I mentioned in part two, of the series is to share that likeness with others. It's to share the character of Jesus with others, with those around us, with those who God has called us to rub shoulders with. You know, there's an old saying that you may be the only reflection of Jesus some people ever see. walk around with that for a day. I may be the only reflection of Jesus this person might see. And so it leads to the question, what picture of Jesus are you reflecting? You know, Philip's approach to the eunuch, to the eunuch's need, was from a relational perspective not from a results-driven one. It's so easy in church circles to tick the box of people coming to Jesus. It's so easy to just make people a number, a result that we can all celebrate. But Paul's approach to the eunuch's need was a relational one. And we serve a God of relationship. We're all here because our God desires that we return to our relationship with him. Now, Philip shows this 
relational approach by taking the time to sit with the eunuch and by sharing the story of Jesus with him. So I want to encourage you this morning, keep praying for those around you. Keep praying for those who God's calling you to reach. If God places new people on your heart to reach, make a list. Keep praying for every single one of them until you can cross them off your list. 